You're listening to Shot Callers with Kyle Brandon and Joe Micucci, part of the 48 Minutes Podcast Network. What is going on, everybody? Welcome into this week's edition of Shot Callers on the 48 Minutes Basketball Network. It's your boy Joe Micucci, and we've got a really cool show for you guys this week. Um, we're going to get into our Shot Caller stuff actually a little bit later, so love to see it, hate to see it. Um, Shot Caller of the Week, and then we're going to talk about some early season surprises around the league. Uh, but first, we've got a really fun segment. We were joined by our friend Taylor Bergfeld from the At Large Bid podcast to do a little bit of NCAA prep. Um, Taylor and I talk about the teams to watch. We talk about his top three can't-miss prospects that should be on your radar for draft season, as well as a couple dudes that maybe aren't getting enough national love that should be on more people's radars. We also get into a couple guys that Taylor isn't completely sold on yet and is going to need to see some more from before he's a believer. Um, so it's going to be a really good time. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and throw that over to Taylor and myself, and then Kyle and I will be back to wrap the show up a little bit later. See you soon. Baby, 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 baby. Ooh, baby, 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 baby. All right, guys. So we've got Taylor Bergfeld with us here from At Large Bid Podcast. College basketball starts on Tuesday. Taylor, I can only imagine you are ready to go. Yeah, man. Uh, NBA started a couple weeks ago. It's the, the basketball itch is back. Um, a lot of good games starting next Tuesday and next Saturday. Very excited to get the season going after last year with no fans. It's going to be nice having um, the college atmosphere be back in full swing. So pretty excited. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I think you and Tim talked about this right at the beginning of this week's episode about how like Baseball and college basketball were really the two sports that suffered a ton from not having that fan atmosphere. So I, I'm with you, man. It's going to be exciting. Um, really stoked to have you on just to kind of do a, a little bit of a, a mini preview, so to speak, to kind of get our listeners because, you know, we're an NBA show. But if there's one thing that there is a lot of crossover with, it's draft talk. Um if you're someone like me who is super casual when it comes to college basketball, one, I would highly recommend listening to At Large Bid. They're every Wednesday on the network. I've already learned a ton about this season, so hopefully anybody who listens to this, you get a little bit as well, and maybe go check the guys out. So, Taylor, we're going to be talking about prospects, not necessarily teams, but I figured we'd start out with a pretty easy lob for you. Who are the big teams to watch this season? Who Who's like you need to be watching this team or what, you know, this is probably the favorites. What, what's the lay of the land? Yeah. So last year, the underlying message or the tone was that the blue bloods really struggled last year, whether it be the COVID year, just because of the, the off season that the freshmen had to go through where they weren't able to practice and spend a lot of time with the team and really kind of gel and get those crucial moments over the summer. Duke was really bad. Missed the tournament. Kentucky was really bad. Missed the tournament. Kansas was okay. They wiltered out in the second round um, or Carolina was, bad they lost first round to Wisconsin but that's kind of where I start Gonzaga was undefeated going into the championship last year they lost to Baylor they're preseason number one they're a team that has some NBA prospects we can talk about in here in a minute um Memphis is going to be really good Amani Bates J- uh, Jalen Duran and then the Blue Bloods Duke Ken- Kansas Carolina Kentucky Michigan State all the schools kind of that were on that wilter line last year were kind of so-so I think they're going to be back and revamp for kind of a revenge tour this year Cool. So kind of more of like a um, almost like a return to the to the norm, so <laughs> right. to speak. Yeah. Right. Very cool. Well, you kind of mentioned it. You know, let's just kind of start in with the with the players then. Um, obviously, Gonzaga, we know about Chet Holmgren. Um, and then with Duke, 
Paolo Banchero. Those are obviously the two big names at the top of any big board that you probably look at. But uh, Taylor, are those two of your surefire can't miss guys? Or are there some other guys that you are just uber high on coming into the season that should be on everybody's radar? Yeah, Paolo Banchero is... uh unbelievably 6'10", 6'11", um, 250 pounds, can score at all three levels, uh, really good at getting to the rim and attacking, and a really good shooter for a guy with that size. Um, Holmgren as well, the kid you talked about, he's seven foot. You know, the clips of him going crazy at the Steph Curry camps out in Oakland, um, you know, those were pro- popped up a couple years ago on the circuits and as well. He's another prospect that you really can't miss because he's so unique and how good he is. Um, but other than that, a guy that, is also at Duke, A.J. Griffin. He's coming off a um, – he had a microscopic knee surgery. Not like, He went in there and, like, cleaned up, like, cartilage, basically. That was um, kind of messed up for him after last year when he was out during his high school year. But he he is a guy that, once he comes back for Duke, probably mid-December, he's athletic. He is 6'6". He's explosive. Um, he just kind of finishes through contact, and he, he just – it seems like when he's in the air, he just kind of floats. Like he just finishes through contact. Um, really good score. Duke's going to be really good with long, alongside Palo and AJ. But a couple other ones real quick. Um, Patrick Baldwin Jr. So unless you're a diehard college basketball fan, you're not going to be seeing him on your uh, major networks this year. <laughs> it's crazy. I So I know I've started this off by saying I'm super casual, but I'm aware of Patrick Baldwin Jr. just because of the storyline. But I – that's all. I just know that he went to Milwaukee just to play for his dad. But what what can you tell me about this guy? Yeah, he's, I mean, similar to Banchero. He's 6'9", 6'10", kind of depending on where you're getting your information from. Um, but he is, you know, I hate comparing people to really good NBA players like a Kevin Durant. But his skill set is very similar. Very, a very big physical um, forward that can play inside, but also out on the perimeter can handle the ball like a guard. And then, you know, with that height, it's really hard to kind of stop once he gets going. I think he's going to be really good. Um, you know, playing for his dad is kind of cool just because, you know, hopefully he can make a tournament run. They are in the horizon league, which is um, Northern Kentucky's. That's just where I graduated from. That's that um, league. So it'd be kind of fun. Maybe go back to a game or two. I'm sure, you know, the horizon league is going to be selling out some games or having a packed house when he comes into town. So, yeah. And then kind of the last one I really want to touch on just for kind of like the preseason um, hype is a forward Jabari Smith, another guy that's six ten, six eleven, 11 um, from the university of Auburn. He's just, he reminds me so much of Josh, Josh Smith. He can play out on the perimeter just and he's just, move. A, yeah, it's the high flyer that I'm, I'm sure fans are going to get irritated with him jacking up threes rather than, you know, driving and dunking and stuff. But I'm, I'm very excited for him. And I think if Auburn is going to have a good year, like many project, he's going to be, you know, may, maybe the reason why. So very cool. Very cool. So it, just to recap, AJ Griffin, Patrick Baldwin, Jr. Jabari Smith, those would be your uh, three guys outside of Paolo and Chet to really keep. And man, Dude, I, I know the talent's there with Chet Hol- Holmgren, but every time I see him, I'm just afraid of any time he's going to take contact. He looks like he's made of glass. I know. It, it That makes – I'm with you on the concerns there. My other concern is just they have Drew Timmy, who's AP preseason player of the year, um, uh, yeah, the 6'10", 6'11", forward as well. So it, I find it hard to believe that they're going to play in both at the same time, but I can't see a world where – they're both not like they're too talented not to play, you know, 30, 32 minutes a game. Um, I'm very curious to see if Holmgren starts playing out on the perimeter and just kind of high elbow uh, jump, elbow level extension, jump shots, free throw line extended. Um, but I can't really see Timmy getting out of the, the post. And if you have both of them down there, your spacing for your whole team is kind of kind of shot. So I can, I can a hundred percent. And now I'm, I, this is coming from someone that doesn't watch a ton of college basketball, obviously, but 
uh, as someone who watches a lot of Indiana Pacers basketball, who have a similar problem with two really good big guys, I could see them doing something like what the Pacers do. Have Tim or do Timmy be your Domas Sabonis esque down low post up big man? And Holmgren being your Miles Turner out on the perimeter, kind of creating from there. Right. I mean, if you have the skill set, and he certainly does, he can really shoot from you know from distance. I think that's something Mark Fuse. He's a really good X's and O's coach, so I wouldn't worry too much if you're a Gonzaga fan about how the how the fit's going to work. You you take the talent of Holmgren, and you take the talent of Drew Timmy, and you worry about the figuring out the rest later. So yeah, exactly. All right, man. Well, let me get on to my next one then, and this is kind of in the same vein. Um, we just talked about kind of the surefire guys that you're like, these guys are going to be awesome. What are some guys that you think, yeah, these kids aren't getting enough love, they should be on your radar? Maybe more of like the 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 sicko fans, players yeah. to watch. So there's a couple. Um, you, you know, when you're a, high, a five-star freshman coming into school, it's really hard to be unknown or under the radar. But yeah. I think, you know, comparing, you know, Paolo Banchero, A.J. Griffin, Patrick Baldwin Jr. are all guys that I've named that – haven't played a single second of college basketball. So I think they're getting a lot of preseason hype, whereas some of these guys are late lottery end of first round talent and I think can play themselves up up to the level of Banchero and up to the level of AJ Griffin. Maybe kind of like your Davion Mitchells. Right. Okay. Yeah, definitely. A guy that yeah. uh, with a really good season that, you know, can solidify himself in the lottery. And obviously he's proven to be have a pretty good start to his NBA career. But um, I'm going to start with a, a point guard from the SEC. I talked about him Wednesday or yesterday to, in our show, uh, Kennedy Chandler. He is the point guard out of Tennessee. He's a, a six foot, just he's an elite guard. I, that's the best way to describe him. He's really good at getting his teammates involved. He's, you know, he knows to take over the game when he has to. He can score at every level. Um, I'd like to see his his three point percentage go up a little bit better. You know, in the A the EYBL circuit, he was um, he shot a little bit lower during the Peach Jam, which is their like end of the year tournament. But he's a tenacious defender, um, can get up in your grill and kind of cause havoc. Really good at stealing the ball, and then he, out in transition, he can finish with the best of them. I really like him. Um, kind of another guy I like as well is Jaden Ivy. They have him going you know thirteenth or fourteenth, depending on kind of what you're looking at. He is a shooting guard out of Purdue. He's 6'4", about 200, 210 pounds. Averaged 16 points a game as a freshman last year at Purdue. And this is a year that they're favored to probably win the Big Ten, if not their preseason top ten team in the country. I think he's an elite scorer. I know I'm kind of sounding like a broken record here, but, you know, he he can fill it up. He he finished through contact last year. And, like, you know, it's one thing to finish at the rim against, you know, lower mid-major players and stuff, but he's going up against the likes of Kofi Coburn, EJ Liddell, guys that will be playing at the next level or have the frame and the size to be at the next level. Um, I really like Ivy, really like what Purdue's kind of building there. And then one last one I'll leave you with, with on the underrated, I'll kind of scroll down a little bit, kind of hate even mentioning it, but Mark Williams, who's Duke center, uh, you know, he's, he's seven foot, he, yeah, right. I have to, We've, unfortunately. Hey, I appreciate you just just bury the hackage yeah, at you. my teeth for, and getting through for, it. For two minutes. <laughs> yeah, I think, you know, 10 years ago, I think he would have been a surefire lottery pick. The way the NBA kind of has expanded, it kind of has, you know, changed the roles of positionless basketball. I think it's going to be tough for a back-to-the-basket center to find a true niche in the NBA. But I think he his shot blocking is elite. Last year, he averaged like 17 and 10. I mean, about four blocks a game. And that's just 2K stats numbers there. I think, you know, Duke is going to rely on him heavily in the middle because Banchero is going to play out in the perimeter. So I think he's a guy that can definitely improve his stock as the year goes on. And I think Duke is going to be really good. So 
the hype train will be real with him. Yeah. And at the end of the day, if Rudy Gobert can continue to get all-star after all-star nominations playing mm-hmm. that way, that role is always going to be there. And I, right. I, I like how you said you, you didn't like sounding like a broken record about Kennedy Chandler and Jaden Ivey, but at the end of the day, like in the NBA, I don't think there's anything that's more overvalued than can you put the ball in the bucket? And now with the rule changes, can you finish through contact? And right. it sounds like with Jaden Ivey especially, um, and it's weird me getting hype about a Purdue player. I was a lifelong IU fan for the longest time, so it's like weird. But I, yeah, it's it just sounds like if he's kind of that guy that's turkey jerky, almost like I don't want to say John ja Morant esque because that's that's up there. But those guys are probably the type of players that scouts are going to be looking for, especially with with how uh, how fouls have been dropped significantly mm-hmm. to start the season. So. Sweet man. Well, let's kind of we've kind of given some guys some roses. Let's let's bring some guys down a notch. Let's give them the ego check. Who are your top end guys, or even just guys in general that you know they're getting hype after hype after hype this offseason, and either you're not buying it, you're not you you need to see some more out of these guys to be on the train, or even guys you're just completely like I'm out. Give me none of that. Who 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 are your stinkers? There's a, I wouldn't, so that's the problem. That might be harsh. That might be harsh. Yeah. I don't want to call him a stinker, (laughs) but I'll have a problem seeing how their, their game would translate to the NBA Uh, or, you know, I don't think they're going to have as good of a season as projected. I'll start with two big guys. And unfortunately we kind of talk about one as a can't miss prospect, but I'm, I'm kind of low on him. That's Jalen Duran from Memphis. I think he's really explosive. Um, You know, he's a six eleven center reclassified so he's playing a year up but i you know he looks look at him for two minutes and realize that this man doesn't need to be playing high school basketball or anything else he's ready for college and then the league right after this i think he's a guy that relies on somebody else to make a play for him he's catching a lot of lobs he's getting a lot of offensive rebounds he's you know making a cut and somebody hit him with the pass i don't i I find it hard to believe that he's going to be able to score with the ball in his hands or make a post move you know that often I think he his his game is a lot of lobs like I said a lot of attacking the offensive rebounding put back dunks and defensively he's a really good shot blocker but in the exhibition games I watched and some of the highlights and stuff I've seen like they kind of struggle with the I don't know how to say it they their man-to-man defense is great they they use him as an anchor their guards let everything go by because they know Duran's there but I think an experienced big can kind of give Duran the business every now and then at college so yeah that I mean how many times we run into that? You get yeah. those high-end freshman centers, come tournament time, they get worked by the more experienced guys. I think really the only exception I can think of that I've seen is when Anthony Davis just went on that absolute tear. And, well, we know what Anthony Davis turned out to be. Yeah, he was unbelievable. He had, like, more blocks than, like, five or six, like, Power 5 programs at one point in the tournament. It was it was ridiculous. Um, last one, a guy that I'm not – I wouldn't say I'm down on, but I, it's a guy from the G League, so – He's projected number three pick. It's Jaden Hardy. He's out of Las Vegas. Um, he's a kid I watched at the EYBL constant years. He was always playing up. He was an elite guard. He's explosive. Like he's just he's got tremendous bounce. But, but he was a guy that was just always better than everybody else around him. So, you know, it, it's it, I find it hard. Now, this is where the G League might be good. Like, you know, where it's it's coming into a league where look at Jalen Green last year, playing with a Jarrett Jack, playing with other guys that were in the league that – they might be able to teach him some things and figure out kind of, Hey, you know, get to your spot by doing this or figure out a way to kind of perfect your craft a little bit better. But he's a guy I would have loved to see to go to college. I think he was probably going to go to Kentucky or Oregon. So that'd have been kind of nice to see 
them get another player. But I wish he was in college, and he's a guy that I'm going to need to see some G League highlights before I'm ready to put him in top three. So Yeah, and I think that's a super fair assessment. I mean, that's the same kind of storyline we had about Jalen Green going into mm-hmm. last season too, which was just, you know, are we sure this G League Ignite thing is going to be the right move? So far, the Ignite is one, yep, yep. and then one incomplete because Kaminga's kind of stashed in the – in the G right. League again this season, but that's because that Warriors team is just absolutely loaded. So yeah, it's not definitely. his fault. Um, so yeah, this is going to be another really big proving moment for the G League to really see how this works. So I'm definitely, I know I'm going to be following Hardy a ton this season. Definitely. And a guy that I haven't mentioned because he's not eligible for the draft this year is Imani Bates. Of course. He's at, he's at Memphis. Um, the only negative side is the, the pro day measurements, um, they weren't great. His athletic, like his 40 time, his vertical and his, like his wingspan weren't kind of at the level that people thought it was, but yeah. I think he's such a good scorer of the basketball that like you mentioned, the NBA is looking for guys that can put the ball in the hoop. And I honestly, I think you kind of buy, you bypass some of the other stuff when you see his ability to score the basketball, he's in a unique position because he's going to play one year of college basketball and he's still not going to be eligible for the draft. So I think next year you're going to see him probably in the G League somewhere, which is perfect. I mean, he G re- League or NBL, that's kind of the yeah the move. Just sign with the that was it the New Zealand Breakers, Breakers. Or, yeah. Uh, Ar- <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. Hampton went and a couple other guys. So yeah, very cool, man. Well, hey, before we get out of here, I got two two questions I didn't send you to kind of get you on the spot. So first one, right over the last few years, um, you know, everybody has their guy where they're like, I've, I told you about this guy, you didn't believe me, or you were in early. Who is the guy that you were in early on that ended up proving yeah, proved you completely right, and it's kind of your sweet brag moment? So, I mean, it's going to sound obvious. It was Kate Cunningham. So I, it was funny enough we did this. I listened to the – it was our podcast that Tim and I did last year or two years ago at when Notre Dame and North Carolina opened the season on Champion Classic Tuesday. Kate Cunningham committed on ESPN – five minutes before the game went live like like he was on get up or, or not get up but it was on a show college basketball now committed and i was like we talked about it i said he's going to be a surefire number one pick because i saw him play so every year i go up to uh what uh, jonathan bird Fieldhouse. i guess it's carmel indiana okay. right by, yeah, yeah, yeah i go over there and watch the eybl um and he played for the texas titans it was him greg brown rondell uh, walker who plays for oklahoma state as well their team was loaded i just saw a six eight six nine point god like and he was just just killing it and i was like this kid's elite and i could not wait and sure enough turned out to be number one pick i'm um, sure i know he's not here but i know kyle yeah is so glad you were right on that guy <laughs> and on the contrary the one i was wrong about i don't know if that's your other question or i'll just no kinda, it's not but yeah. if you want to if you want to say it yeah by all means <laughs> i would put the house on james young from kentucky being a good nba player i i don't uh-huh. know what happened that tournament run how all year he was just an elite shooter left-handed Six five, six six, could fill it up. Get you know, get to the rim with ease. Gets in the NBA. I'm like, okay, maybe Boston's a bad fit, and I haven't heard from him since. So just tough. got thrown into the Boston, oh, Boston yeah. whirlwind of locker room anonymous. Right. Okay. So my last one, my last one actually was just going to be giving your way too early when the Nets are cut and we're here in one shining moment. What team is going to be seeing is going to be singing along to one shining moment at the end of the oh, season? Oh man. So you know. Preseason odds have Gonzaga, Duke, um, Kansas, Kentucky. I hate going chalk. Um, don't think it's going to be Gonzaga. I think they're non-conference. They won't be undefeated going in the tournament. They play Texas, Duke, 
a uh, bunch of other schools like that in some tournaments as well. So I think they're going to get their share of losses before they get into conference play. But if I had to pick one team to win the national title, it'll be Kansas. I think their their experience that they bring back, a lot of junior and senior leadership, as well as bringing in the preseason Big 12 Player of the Year from Arizona State, Remy Martin, who's kind of like a Marcus Howard, if you remember him from Marquette. He can kind of fill it up. Um, shoots a lot of dumb shots, but he makes a lot of dumb shots, so kind of <laughs> evens out. But the ultimate no, no, yes, yes, shooter. right, yes. A guy that you just kind of like. Well, you hate playing against him, but you love having him on your team. So I'm yeah. gonna go with Kansas. I can't, I, but knowing I've been to three Final Fours in my life as a North Carolina fan, I've seen Duke win two national titles in person. Coach K's last year, the Devil Magic that he has, I know it's gonna end with them winning it all, and it's gonna kill <laughs> me. So I'm not gonna say them. So. Right on, man. Well, Taylor, thank you again so much for doing this. I know our plan is to have you on a couple more times as the season goes on just to kind of do some check-ins and whatnot. But until then, Taylor, tell the people again where they can find you on the network. Yeah. So, yeah, we, me, Tim and I, we do uh, At Large Bid. It comes out every Wednesday as well. So this year we've gotten kind of already on our Twitter account. We've gotten more into um, NBA betting as well. But this year with college basketball, it sucks because it's not like football where the lines come out on Sunday. You get the lines usually 24 hours before the, the game. So you'll see a lot of tweets from us, articles, and maybe some TikToks and stuff as well. We'll kind of incorporate our way to try to give you some college basketball gambling picks as well as just kind of recapping our games. But like, I, like you said, I'm very excited to get the season going and kind of checking in with you guys throughout the year to kind of talk about how, how right or how wrong we were on some of these prospects. So very cool, man. Well, looking forward to it. And thanks again, man. Yes, sir. Baby, 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 baby. Oh, baby, 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 baby. Once again, thanks so much to Taylor for taking the time to join us today. But, uh, hey, Kyle's here now. We just finished watching the Pistons-Sixers. And, Kyle, I got to say, I was pretty impressed with what I saw from Cade Cunningham tonight. How are you feeling? I know they lost, but what are the vibes following following tonight's game? Yeah, it was awesome. I thought that was the best that the Pistons have looked by a long shot. And uh, what what sucks is it is clearly the best we've looked. Philly was really hurt, and we still lost convincingly. So... Um, that's tough, but we're going for progress, not perfection. So there you go. There you go. I know we're going to get into Kate here in a second. So, uh, without further ado, let's go ahead and jump into this week's love to see it. Hate to see it. Um, Yes, sir. All righty. So Kyle, what is your love to see it for this week? I got to say something that you really love to see is Knicks fans. I'm on board. I'm a, a die easy Knicks fan now. Uh, always always have been since uh, game one of the season. It is so fun with them being so good right now. Uh, Bing Bong is just about my favorite thing that's ever happened in the NBA. And for those that don't know, Bing Bong, the, the trend, it started on a YouTube show called Side Talk where it's just candid New York City uh, locals and they just kind of put a camera on them and record and they go crazy. And there was a video that went up um, like middle of September. There was a guy that just pulled up in his minivan and the uh, like the sound for the beginning of the YouTube video is a doom doom, kind of like a subway door opening or so. And this guy rolls down his window and he goes, bing bong. And... 
flash forward to the first game of the year, that uh, that exciting double overtime game against the Celtics, Bing Bong minivan guy shows back up, reoccurring character, and of course they got to get him on video, and he does it. He does the Bing Bong. Knicks fans go crazy, and it, it's just so fun. It it feels fun, honestly, just to that the Knicks seem to be you know, maybe, maybe at the center of like the NBA hype universe, uh, maybe not, you know, maybe not the winningest team out there, but it is just, it is just fun watching Knicks fans. And uh, I'm going to go ahead and put on a disguise, be a die easy Knicks fan and, and just have fun with them. Cause I, I love the bing bong. I mean, I gotta say, I, I fully love it too. The only time I didn't love it was last night. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> because I was in the stands for Knicks Pacers, but I loved it in the sense that it really did make the Pacers beating the Knicks that much more fun. Like, uh, Steve and I went to the game, and, like, basically, I mean, there was a Knicks fan sitting behind us. There was yeah. a full row of Knicks fans, the section directly over from us, and another full section, two sections over. And it was so much fun. Like going back and forth with them all game, and I had the moment in the fourth quarter where when the Knicks or when the Pacers finally pulled away, I was doing the like shh to the crowd, and then Steve and I both started yelling like Bing Bong at the top of our lungs when the Pacers won. I mean, it was oh, it's awesome. fun. It's a fun troll, man, and I I truly mean this. I love that the Knicks are good. I talked about it last week. Like it's it's fun. Yeah. But man, that was it was fun to troll it last night. That's for damn sure. <laughs> it is. And honestly, I feel like Knicks fans reintroduced us to basketball fans. Cuz really it was that series against Atlanta in the yeah. playoffs, right? That was like the first time we really had fans back. And Knicks fans have just really carried us as far as <laughs> NBA fans go. They are just kind of I don't is, know about it, spitting on Trey Young, but <laughs> Well, that's never good. I, I, I don't endorse that. But just the hype and the energy that they bring, it's awesome to see. So you love to see it. You really do love to see it. Yeah. Knicks fans, bing bong. <laughs> what, about, what about you? All right, all right. So my love to see it this week. I've got two, if that's okay. Two little, oh, yeah. two little quick hitters, though. Of course. Um, the, the first one is my personal love to see it. And that is uh, last night during the Hornets-Warriors game, uh, ESPN during the third quarter showed a clip of uh, Clay Thompson getting some warm-up shots in. Um, but the thing about that was that um, Clay Thompson is warming up in his full, like, Warriors uniform. Yeah. And just, see, just seeing Clay Thompson taking shots in a uniform again. Yeah. Easy peasy, love to see it. Uh, oh, was, yeah. That, that just felt great to see. Uh, and then my second love to see it um, is that this is actually something that I feel like I speak for both of us when I say this. This year's City Edition uniforms. I think this is the best drop that Nike has done since they took over for uniform making. I mean, I, I think it was uh, Nick Henkel from Buckets who tweeted out that like Nike went like 26 for 30 on these mm. uniforms and i'm i think i'm in full agreement with that personally one i love the pacers ones i i know i'm biased but i i think even if i wasn't a pacers fan i would like them um 
I also love the Hawks, the Bulls, the Timberwolves, Clippers, and Mavs uniforms. And uh, Kyle, I, I know, I mean, we've been talking all week about these. I, I know you're big on them as well. Oh, yeah. Um, and and you, you've already named some of my favorites there. Um, the Hawks are great. The Pacers one, it, it doesn't look too far off from what you guys have done in the past, honestly. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I which is I, which is not a bad. It's not a bad yeah. thing. I don't say it as a negative at all. I mean, my personal uh, my personal thoughts on it are: if the Pacers are going to just continuously tell Nike, "Can you make something that looks like the FloJo uniforms?" Maybe that's just a sign that you need to make the FloJo uniforms your regular uniforms again. That's yeah, just my two cents. But no, regardless, the jerseys look awesome. They looked great in person too. Yeah, the Hawks being uh, the fact that it's the throwback with the the hawk with the wingspan on the chest, um, just yellow is awesome. The Nets, it's nostalgic for me. I yeah. loved watching that like 03 team with Kidd, Kenyon Martin, Vince Carter, Richard Jefferson. So that's awesome. And the fact that KD is wearing it is hard. Of course. Uh, the Wolves were a standout to me. The throwback design that they got going on. Uh, that like that 97 jersey that, that KG would wear. You know yeah. what I mean? Like that, that uh I, that's one of my favorite jerseys. But they have it with like the '89 jersey colors, it's so sick. I thought, yeah, it's, I thought that it's, was awesome. It's tough man. Um, two more Houston, the uh, the wide pinstripes. Yes, I love it. Oh, I love that. I mean, what makes and the it shorts? Even better is, what makes it even better about that one is that the gap in the pinstripes for the center. Mm. Oh, yeah, that's I love that. That's a chef's kiss right there. And uh, and I'll say it. Detroit. We finally have a jersey that's not a wishbone collar. It has it has a throwback to the uh, to the lightning bolt jerseys that we used to have, and it also has teal on it. Yes, the teal, and a the little teal, like, little horse. Yeah. So, um, honestly, the fact that it is probably Detroit's it, that it is Detroit's best jersey that they have out there, um. Puts it on the list for me. I I thought Charlotte's was a bit overrated, to be honest. I think everyone. I'm not a huge fan of it. I I saw a lot of people that said that they thought that was their favorite. It gave me vibes of the 2017 Atlanta Hawks, with Is like it, the. It, it it's like a mixture of the 2017 Hawks and also the current like gradient uniform that the Atlanta Falcons have, and Ugh. I I hate it. I yeah, hate too, it. Man. Yeah, I'm not a yeah. I'm not a fan. Sorry, Charlotte fans. I don't like your your team's uniform, at least yeah. for this uh this run. But these were awesome. It is a huge step in the right direction. Love it. Yeah, yeah. You love to see it. Those those are my love to see it. So uh, I guess let's transition into the the hate to see it then. And uh, yeah, Kyle, we I mean we hinted at it at the top of our segment here. Um, what's your hate to see it? You you really hate to see. All the overreaction to Cade Cunningham's first couple games, yeah. And I, I'm mostly talking to you guys, the uh, the box score watchers out there. That listen, I know you're not going to turn on every Pistons game, especially when the teams they play aren't starting a lot of their starters. Looking at like the Bucks, with you know every good player on the Bucks is sitting except for Giannis, or they play the Sixers. And the Sixers are without Tobias and obviously Ben Simmons and and a lot of guys. I know a lot of people aren't watching this Pistons team, but the criticism on Cade has been really, really overblown. And you know what? 
He's in his first two games, he went 0 for 14 from three. And tonight he started 0 from four for three. So he missed his first 18 free throw attempts in the NBA. That is bad. I totally get it. But people are reacting like they just like, I don't know. I, I, you wonder why Ben Simmons' mental health, as far as like shooting threes, you wonder why he's like rattled. It's because people dog you when you're the number one pick and you're supposed to have, you know, you're supposed to be hitting these threes. Uh, but Cade started out with nine rebounds and five, five assists in every game he's played so far. Tonight, he shot nine from 10 from the free throw line. Right. And and to me, free throw shooting is the litmus test. Like if I want to know if someone's a good free throw sh- or a good shooter, how do they shoot free throws? That's that's what I look at. So um, shooting overall, it's a rhythm thing. It's not a game feel thing. It's not anything like that. It's just a rhythm thing. And he's been sitting for an injury, so he's going to get that rhythm. But in the meantime, he's had great body language. He's showed really good leadership. Despite this team being awful, which they are, they're the worst offensive team in the league to me by a long shot. They have the worst offensive efficiency. They shot 17% from three on 47 attempts against Milwaukee. Um, but despite that, Cade's been really, really engaged, especially defensively. He'll be wrestling on the ground for balls. Um, just kind of locking in. He 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 gets pretty aggressive offensively and goes for steals and and sometimes uh, it can bite him. But he's he's going for it. And um, I don't know. I think that tonight he had a great game. He put up uh, eighteen and what eighteen and eleven. Yeah. Or so and uh, yeah, actually, eighteen, eleven, and four. Stats while Is you that were, what it was? It was uh, he went for eighteen, ten rebounds and four assists. Yeah, we take that. We take that. And and honestly, he's going to make more of those threes. And when those threes come and everything else is already in line, um, he's going to be looking good. So I'm not too worried about it. I I would also say, like, let's not act like Jalen Green, outside of two really good games, he's been pedestrian. Yeah. So it's it's, it's not like, I mean, everybody's freaking out. I mean, Jalen Green hit that incredible shot against the Lakers the other night. And he scored 24. But... I mean, this was only Cade's third game. Yeah. Not every rookie could be Chris Duarte. I mean, oh, <laughs> I mean, my goodness. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> I couldn't. I couldn't not. <laughs> but uh, seriously, every every bit of basketball I've watched from Cade Cunningham so far, and tonight was the most that I've watched, but yeah. I, I just see a guy that's getting more and more comfortable. With the, you got, people also are forgetting that tonight was only his third game. Yeah. So, I mean – People need to calm down. I, I'm with you, man. I still think Cade's going to be fine. I still fully expect him to be in the Rookie of the Year conversation, yeah. um, even come New Year time. So I, I'm i with you. I I fully hate to see the rumor of rumors of Cade Cunningham's demise being greatly exaggerated. Yeah, and when we talked about Rookie of the Year, we said if we think he can get to 18-7-7, Right, because last year it was sixteen. Was, yeah, last year it was like sixteen, seven, and six, I think, or so, something like that. Um, and I mean tonight, on a really bad night shooting again, he got to eighteen, eleven, and four. Like he's yeah. he's, he's, he's there. Gonna be fine. Yeah, like he's, he's gonna be there fine. with the bad shooting. Um, it it's only gonna get better. So 
I, I feel totally fine, totally comfortable. Him and Killian, like, were way more in sync and, like, not trying to outshine each other tonight and just w- clearly way more comfortable. So let's not overreact. We're doing all right. Again, he's no Chris Duarte. <laughs> but uh, no no reason to panic at all. All right. Well, kind of pivoting off of your hate to see it, mine is uh, mine has to do with a, a team that our friends over uh, at the Bench Mob love to talk about. We don't talk about them as much. But... What has to do with the L.A. Lakers, Kyle? My hate to see it is that I'm sick and tired of watching this Lakers team trot out the corpse of DeAndre Jordan and their starting lineup every night to only play like 15 or so minutes of non-impactful basketball. And it's pissing me off because it's ruining Carmelo Anthony's incredible season. It is. It's it's genuinely ruining it for me. It, I, 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 I don't have anything more in depth to say about it. That that is just simply my hate to see it. I hate their rotation. Yeah, uh, Carmelo has been great. Four blocks and two steals the other night, and some of those blocks, two handed blocks. He's yeah. uh, he's getting up there. Um, Frank Vogel said in a quote after one of the games, talking about Carmelo, he said, he's really one of the best guys out there calling out the action, making sure our guards' feet are changing when screen and rolls are happening, and things like that. And if you've got a great communicator on defense, that really helps everything. You know, with your time with uh, with Frank Vogel uh, as your old coach, he's going to value that defense. And the way he talks about Melo, I mean, we we know him as a shooter, but he just has a lot of games played. He knows how to communicate. He knows where guys need to be. That's really valuable. So I, mean, I think I, you, I think you said this the other night when we were talking about it. So I, I, yeah. I want to give you your flowers here. Run Mello as the small ball five. I love it. I it, it makes so much sense. You move Mello. I, I, I think this is kind of in the constant. I I don't want to say the Mello small ball five small ball five thing, but. Uh, this other thing I was going to say, too, is run Mel at the small ball five and try out Russell Westbrook as your sixth man. Mm. I think that would fix a lot of the issues this team has been running into early. Um, but I, I mean, they haven't tipped off yet tonight, so I don't know what the lineup's looking like right now. It, it just... I'm just over it, man. Can we Can we just... I, I get it. DeAndre Jordan's, a, I guess, a great locker room guy these days, but he is just not the dude he was 10 years ago. That's why the Pistons cut him. That's why we uh, That's why we got rid of him. No, no. Yeah. I'm joking. We bought him out this yeah. season. But uh, all right, Joe, I got some people that the uh, that the Lakers should have targeted or, or should be targeting instead of. Yeah, yeah. I'm actually instead of DeAndre Jordan here to, right. to help here, fix the rotation. Yeah. Yeah. Here, okay. Here's some guys that. I think would really help out the Lakers, okay? First one, Andre Drummond. Man, if only they had a chance at getting Andre Drummond on the Lakers. They could really you imagine? could use some rebounding help, yeah. Could you imagine? I'm sure, be, that we could, yeah. I'm sure we could get a good Photoshop of Drummond in a Lakers jersey. He's yeah. averaging 18 points per 36 minutes over in Philly, and that's behind one of the league's best centers. So 
they could really use a guy like that. What about what about Montrez Harrell? Did you imagine oh. Montrez Harrell on, with with LeBron and AD? Could you imagine that? I feel like there could be some fit issues, but eh, make it work maybe. <laughs> uh, a- averaging eighteen and ten off the bench for, uh, for if the you're Wizards. listening, if you if you're a if you're a Photoshop wizard, if you could get us some some mock-ups of these guys in Lakers jerseys, I'd man, I'd love to see it. Man, uh, I mean, honestly, sticking with Washington, you could even run like a small ball like Kuzma or something like that. He's had Ooh. he's had a little breakout year, averaging fourteen and ten. Yeah. But if it's L.A. and they're really trying to get a third or fourth star there, and this is a long shot, a guy like Julius Randle. Oh. I mean, 20 and 11, coming off his all-star season. Could you imagine Julius Randle in L.A.? Let me hit you with two other guys that I think could could really help this team. I got, okay. I got two. Okay. They've need, they need some help defensively at the guard position. I think that's okay. I think that's no lie. That's true. You got like Lonzo Ball would really, he could really help guys get to their spots too, just with the okay. way that he's been an assist man. I mean, Lonzo could help a ton. And actually, I'll hit you with an extra guy that I didn't think of. his teammate out there in Chicago, Alex Caruso. Alex Car- really good. <laughs> Should I do the last one? Have we have we drilled this bit to the? Just do it. Just do it. (laughs) So, another guy that I've really thought about. Guy that could really help open up the floor from the wing position. Also, just a a nice wing wing defend option. Guy like Brandon Ingram. (laughs) I didn't know if you were going to say KCP or if you were going to say Buddy Heald. Listen, would you would you trade <laughs> Russell Westbrook for KCP straight up? Who says no? <laughs> oh, this is uh all right, that's that's it. We've this is the second week in a row that the Lakers have been on our hate to see it. Um, oh. if you want positive Lakers talk, there will be plenty of it. Just tune in to this Friday's episode of Benchmob. You mean Monday. Monday. Monday's episode. We're out on yeah, it's Monday. Well, yep. you know. All right, all right, all right. right. That does it for love to see it, hate to see it on the week. Yes. If you agree, let us know. If you don't, I guess let us know too, but we're probably still going to make fun of you for a Lakers fan. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Kyle. Moving on. One thing I really wanted to talk about this week, um, because we kind of knew going in with the segment with Taylor, we'd have a little bit shorter of an episode, so... Didn't want to get too much into games, but there was a matchup that intrigued me last night that kind of got the old brain ticking, and it was Washington and Toronto. So last night, those two teams played each other, and these are two of the bigger surprise teams to start the year, I'd say. Um, I mean, we didn't expect much from either of these in our previous, and so far, uh, they have uh, definitely proved us wrong. And it got me thinking, Kyle, what... Early season surprise, and it could be a team, player, anything. Which early season surprise are you most confident about going forward? So when we made our power rankings that came out um, on Tuesday, uh, on Tuesday, when we <laughs> came out with our power rankings that came out on Tuesday, uh, the Wizards actually moved up to the number seven spot, and that's because they started out really hot, five and one came out the gate and 
they've since fallen to five and three, but they've had a really tough schedule so far, playing the Hawks twice, the Celtics twice, the Raptors twice, the Nets and the Pacers. None of those games are easy at all. And I think all of those teams see themselves as playoff teams. So really playing eight playoff games um, is really is really tough. But what also is really tough, unfortunately, has been the Wizards, especially the last few games. They've been tough to watch. I, I really thought when we were kind of spitballing this idea, I really thought that I was going to have the Lakers as my team that I'm buying in on. You mean the Wizards? I, the Wizards, yes, the Wizards. Yeah. <laughs> I, I thought I was going to have the Wizards as the team I was buying in on. But I think I'm out, man. It, it's just not enough ball movement. Bottom five in the league in assists per game. It's really stagnant. Really, really bad decision-making late game. Uh, taking just bad threes. Um, and they're just middle of the pack for offense and defense. I, I think it's kind of just more of a fluke that they got five and one. Um I think five and three or four and four is probably closer to where they should be. Um, and, and we talked about Montrez and we, and we joked about Montrez and Kuzma, um, which I think both have played really well. Bradley Beal has been pretty inefficient, but um, I really thought here I was going to say the Wizards, but it's not the Wizards for me. But I do have a team. But I was wondering if you had a team first before I go. I don't have a team. I have a player. Okay, um, let's let's hear the player. So, I'm going to a team that we've actually really not talked about at all yet this season, and I wanted to kind of bring them up because they're third in the third in the West right now, the Dallas Mavericks. Okay. And the guy that I want to talk about is Jalen Brunson. Um, he is off to a phenomenal start to this season, and our big question this offseason in when we were doing our, our power rank or tier list, I should say was who's going to help Luca on this team. You know, we weren't really sold on Tim Hardaway jr. We're obviously we're still completely out on Chris stops. So who's going to help him? And we kind of, we slept uh, Jalen Brunson finished fourth and sixth man of the year voting last year. And this season, I mean, he's averaging 15 points a game, four assists and five rebounds a game, 27, 27 minutes per game. It's coming off back-to-back performances where he scored 25-plus. Um, do I think the scoring's going to stay consistent? Maybe, maybe not. But, I mean, he averaged 12 last season. So, if anything, he might regress to that mean. He's given them really good minutes. Um, I really like what I've seen out of him. He's kind of turning into this, like, pseudo, if Luka's not feeling it, he can go get a bucket for the Mavs. So, Jalen Brunson, I, I like this. Uh, I like this for the Mavs a lot. Now, obviously, teams are going to probably start game planning for him a little bit more. Um, but, you know, Mavs are off to a better start than I think we would want to give them credit for. And got I, I just want to kind of give them a little, a little bit of flowers. I'm not ready to say this team is, is flying, but it, it's a nice start for Jalen Brunson. And I do think he, it's something he can keep up the rest of the season. I think that's a really good call. I think that if we made a short list of most underrated dudes in the NBA, I think Jalen Brunson would find himself near the top of that list. Um, yeah. He's not super talked about right now, um, but he's doing everything in his power to to be talked about. But um, the Mavs are a team that we have been pretty down on so far. Yeah. And so uh, I think it's it's nice to bring them up in a in a positive light. 
and and I like that pick. I like it. Thank you, thank you. Felt felt good about it. Felt, felt yeah. real good about no, it. No, that's I, I legitimately. I think he might be like <laughs> actually the most underrated player in the league, and that is a the uh, MUP, a, if you will. Yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, let let's circle back to you then, because you said right. you had a team. So who is who is your team? Out on the Wizards, I'm full in on the Raptors. Oh, all right, all right. And this is this is a team during our our um, when we were doing our preseason rankings. You were higher on them. I was lower on them. I uh, you were right. I was wrong. All that. Blah blah blah. <laughs> but this team has started out great. They're uh, according to Kirk Goldsberry's most uh, most recent chart. They're number six in net efficiency uh, overall. The only five teams that are um, positive in offensive and defensive efficiency, the Heat, the Jazz, the Warriors, the Bulls, and the Raptors. That's good company right there. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and I, I would like to say, because while I do love gloating, um, yeah. I, I wasn't higher on them as you are. I, th- they were the team that it was toughest for me to peg. They were my team that I said I could see them finishing higher than where we ranked them. Okay, the yeah. So, so I'm I, gonna I, I'm, I'm going to walk off it a little bit because I, <laughs> I love hearing you say you were right, I, get, I was yeah. wrong, but it, we were both wrong on them at the end of the day. <laughs> yeah, and another guy that I w- was a little more wrong on than I was right is Scotty Barnes. He has been... I agree. Even better than advertised through seventeen ga- or through seven games, averaging eighteen points, eight boards, and shooting fifty percent from the floor. Only eight players in NBA history have ever done that to start off, and that's guys like Shaq, David Robinson, Hakeem, Zion, Ben Simmons, Blake Griffin. He's been really good, actually. It's it's. I I think uh, I think you know. Besides Chris Duarte, who this is the third time we brought him up, um, put that put that in a frame for you, Joe. Uh, I think Scotty Barnes has been probably the best rookie this year, and um, yeah, this it, this team has just been on the up and up. Um, Gary Trent Jr. has been a really good bright spot. He's really improved this year. Nick Nurse said that he's been the biggest surprise since the start of training camp. The last four seasons, uh, he was giving up on defense. He was giving up. 118 points per 100 possessions. This year, just about 100 points. Uh, he's just over four steals a game, and he's top three in the league in steals with your with your boy Jimmy Butler and your uh, dark horse MVP pick Paul George. My recent, recently, my boy Jimmy Butler hasn't been my boy f- for a long your recent, time. Your yeah. recent boy, my recent boy acquisition. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but just watching. I, I watched that uh, that Wizards game. Went back and watched it. This team's really tough to defend. They do they do this really cool thing where they will let the person that grabs the rebound bring the ball up the court. And what it does is teams don't have time to like really get set up defensively because typically yeah. you grab the rebound, your point guard looks for it, and the point guard brings the ball up the court. Teams don't get fully set up because a guy like. Precious Achua or um, Scotty Barnes or whoever can bring the ball off the court and really make that first read and do fine. Now, of course, they go to Fred VanVleet and he is the point guard and he is the the primary ball handler. Um, 
but he usually gets it in in a good position because again defenses just aren't used to that so this team's been a lot of fun i really like it and something really interesting is this goran dragic situation yeah i know in the beginning of the season we were talking about it what's going to happen i didn't think goran dragic was going to play a single game for this team I was wrong. He did start out uh, in their rotation, but he's pretty much out of their rotation now. And what's really interesting, Joe, this weekend, Sam Decker and uh, Isaac Bonga's contracts become fully guaranteed. If they become guaranteed, Toronto is a million dollars in the tax, and they don't want to be in the luxury tax, in the repeater luxury tax. So... I think this weekend they are going to have to either A, try and figure out what's going on with Goran Dragic, or B, potentially cut Sam Decker, Isaac Bonga. I if they potentially if, see the latter, Isaac Bonga is only playing two minutes. Yeah, right yeah. Now. yeah. If they cut Bonga, I think that that means that they don't see a world where they can trade Dragic. Because maybe Dragic is, you know, he, he's not in the rotation, so maybe his value is too low. If they keep Decker and Bonga, I think that means that, hey, we're okay with being over the tax for a second because we're going to trade Dragic for just a player that makes less money. So I think that we could kind of get a tip of the cap on what's going to happen with Goran Dragic um, this week based on what happens with Sam Decker and Isaac Bonga. And I would love to see Goran Dragic go to the team we just talked about in the Mavs. I know that they yeah. have uh, Brunson in their backcourt, but I just think that's a, another good piece to add to their backcourt there. So just kind of yeah, interesting. I, and, and I think Dallas could send back uh, like Willie Cauley-Stein or something like that, who's not really in their rotation. But he kind of fits the mold of what Toronto's looking for in players right now. Just lank, lanky dudes. And that was kind of going to be my thing I talk about with this Raptors team. I've, I've Just because of how the schedule's fallen, I've watched them play twice now against the Pacers, and I've, I watched them the other night against this, uh, excuse me, this Wizards team. Um, I think, one, they are just so, they are pesky defensively, man. <laughs> yeah. Like, it is, it is so tough to move the ball against them, and especially, and, now, this is super small sample size because I watched them play twice against the same team. But yeah. the way they collapse on big guys like Demontis Sabonis in force, basically, if you're going to get the inside pass, your big better be able to pass out quick or else it's going to be a turnover. I mean, they force turnovers, they get out, they run. And I think just another dude I, I want to really give a shout-out to here, is a guy that I think is kind of under the radar in the most improved race, OG Ananobi. Yep. Um, I think he's been fantastic to start the season, especially in um, Pascal Siakam's absence. Um, he's leading the team in scoring at 20 points a game, and his three-point shooting is up to 37% right now on eight attempts per game. Um, he's just kind of been like a go-to bucket getter for them right now, and it's it's been interesting to watch. Um, and again, Scotty Barnes, we were hypercritical of that pick on draft night. We really thought they needed to go with Jalen Suggs, and Again, it just shows why Masai Ujiri has a job in the NBA, and we are just two dudes in the Midwest that talk about basketball because <laughs> he has been bang on on that pick. Yeah, early in uh, early in OG Anobi's career, 
70% of his three-point attempts were just catch and shoot. He was basically just stick him in the corner. He is on offense. He is just a catch and shoot guy, and he's able to put the ball on the ground now and to beat you off the dribble and do pull-up threes, and he's just so much more versatile. Um, and he's he kind of had to be with Pascal Siakam out, and uh, this team kind of has that that next level with Pascal Siakam once he gets back. So this team's, I think this team could could be a a legit kind of playoff threat. Um, you know, in that seven seed ish, yeah. maybe uh, a seven eight seed, something like that. So. I dev I can definitely see it. I I really like this Raptors team. Um, they've definitely been a pleasant surprise, um, for sure. And we'll definitely see how it kind of plays out the rest of the year. But um, that's kind of all I had in the in the bank for this week. Again, like I said, kind of shorter segment because we uh did some instant awesome lay prep. Yeah, Taylor. Yeah, yeah. But you know, Kyle, what uh anything uh you wanted to get in real quick before we get into shot caller of the week? Yeah, um, something that we haven't really talked about a lot this season, um and that came up when we were doing the power rankings in the other teams receiving votes, a team that I didn't vote for in our power rankings, um, but, but did receive votes was the Philadelphia 76ers. So I just kind of wanted to, to bring it to you. And, uh, I wanted to be convinced. I think with the way the wizards have been looking the last few games, there's a, a good chance that they could fall out. I'm kind of looking for another team to put in there. Yeah. And, uh, Phillies caught my eye, watched him tonight. So I think the thing that has been most impressive. So I had Philly ninth in my personal rankings. And I, I don't think we've really broken down how we do the power rankings every week. So just for everyone to kind of understand, Kyle, myself, and Tim from Benchmob, we each do our own rankings. And it's kind of like how college football does their coaches' polls. Each ranking gives you a certain amount of points, highest amount of points, slots you in the ranking spot. So there's that. I had Philly ninth in my rankings. And really kind of what I talked about was how, you know, this team's been radio silent really since the start of the season. It's kind of been like one of the best things I think that could have happened to them. Um, their shooting is ridiculous. They do not have a single rotation guy um, that is shooting below 40% on the season. In fact, like everybody on their team is shooting over 40% except for like one guy that's not getting playing time and his name is escaping me. It's a guy I've never heard of. Um, gotcha. So I apologize yeah. to this player. Um, not, not a main guy though. Yeah, he's not. He's playing like less than three minutes a game. Um, so it, in fact, it's eight guys in the rotation shooting over 45%. They, they're wow. putting the ball in the bucket. And yes, we know about Seth Curry's insane start to the season, but the guy that really has caught my eye with this team and he didn't play tonight against Detroit. Uh, but Tobias Harris has been awesome to start this season like fantastic um he's shooting 54 percent on 15 attempts per game and he's second on the team with nine rebounds per game um he's just really stepped up this season um to really answer the answer the bellas and beats kind of partner in crime and i personally feel like this team is benefiting from the extra space on the floor um, it's part of the reason why I really think trading Ben Simmons is what they need to do n not to be rid of him, but because look at how this team is performing without him. And I think Ben Simmons can go contribute wonderfully on another team. I just think it benefits both parties 
And I think what we've seen now almost three weeks into the season confirms that. I, I think Daryl Morey is an idiot for not moving him already. Um, and I'll continue to bang that drum. Uh, it's a disservice to Ben Simmons. And I think trying to force him to play is a disservice to the team. I think the players are doing everything right by saying we support Ben. We want you all to support him. But at the end of the day, the numbers speak for themselves right now. They are a better offensive team without him on the floor. And, and that's yeah. why I had them. And I just, I'm just impressed. And listen, I think Ben is one of the best defensive players in the league, especially like perimeter defense defenders. I think their perimeter defense has looked great from what I've yes. seen. That's the other thing I was going to get. Bible is like is great. obviously a monster, but playing against him and Maxi, those passing lanes are just you know, constantly you know what's pestered. Kinda, you know what's funny? Uh, I don't. I don't want to say funny, but Matisse Thibault basically does the same things that Ben Simmons does at damn near the same efficiency rate defensively, but he doesn't have the pressure because he wasn't the number one pick. Yeah, and he's also think, willing to shoot it a little bit more, and I, I I get that. But I'm just just watching them though. It's like I see Tybal. I'm like, if you're Philly, you still have a a guy that is turning into an S tier perimeter defender in the league. Yeah, so I only thing I would say about that is that Ben Simmons can comfortably and like and do it like at the at the best in the league. Is he can guard one through five. That's fair. That's very fair. And Dibble, I don't know if Dibble, you can really put him on fives. You know what I mean? Like, That's I think fair. that, I think he can get physical with fours, but fives is, but you have Joel Embiid. You know what I mean? And mm -hmm. you have Drummond. So, like, are you asking him to do something that he even needs to do? I don't, you know, I don't know. But, yeah. Um, yeah, this, uh, that Philly team looked, <laughs> dude, they looked good. They had a, they had a good amount of people out. And uh, and I, I still never felt like we had a chance. And that was with the Pistons playing, you know, at full strength, playing the best that they've played. Philly's just good. And, um, yeah, just when you submitted it, I, I was like, man, I don't have Philly in mind. And it's always been a team that I've really liked and really enjoyed and um, and just haven't, haven't caught all their games. So just kind of wanted to get your take on it. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah, I really like this team. I fully plan on having them in my rankings again next week because yeah. it's just I've, I've been so impressed by them. Yeah. Um, well, what about for you? my thing, yeah, oh, go ahead, sorry. Yeah, just wondering um, what you had if we missed it. Yeah, yeah, I did. I, I just wanted to give a, uh, give a shout out, take a little victory lap. Um, I know he's still got two games left to play this week, but my almost seven-foot son, Miles fucking Turner, on an absolute tear um, this week, he scored 19 and 8 against San Antonio on Monday, and that was on 7 of 10 shooting. And then Wednesday night against the Knicks, he goes for 25, uh, 9 for 14 shooting, career-high 7 threes, 13 rebounds against the Knicks. Um, and after the game, Rick Carlisle on the post-game press conference, he got asked a question about Miles' involvement, and Rick Carlisle was like, can we stop with the getting Miles involved stuff? Mm. Like he just he was he was just over like Carlisle believes in this dude. Yeah, I've you know anybody who knows me knows that there is not a bigger Miles Turner fan. Um, I, I just I love the guy. I'm I love seeing him really starting to thrive in Carlisle's system. Um, 
and really the Pacers have I don't do you know this? Do you know what the cutoff is for the Eastern Conference Player of the Week? Like, is it on Saturday or is it on Sunday for that? I I would assume Sunday, but I okay. I don't I don't know the official. Uh, I answer. only ask because the Pacers play on Friday night and they play again on Sunday, and so they either have one or two more games this week. Um, I feel like if he continues his strong play, he could be in that candidacy for Eastern Conference Player Uh-oh. of the Week, and if he wins that, I can guarantee you I will be insufferable on Twitter when that happens. <laughs> Um, there's nothing I love more than coming at Miles Turner haters because I think if you hate on Miles Turner, you do not know a damn thing about basketball, and I will fight on that hill. Um, but before yeah. I get even deeper down the rabbit hole, I'm gonna stop. <laughs> yeah, just I guess from an outsider's perspective, um, I mean, we play the Pacers a good amount, and you know, we play Miles Turner a good amount. I always felt like Pacers fans that were always trying to trade Miles Turner. It, it's kind of like. Uh, the guy in your fantasy league that just wants to make trades just for the for the sake of trading. He's just been the scapegoat, and I've never understood it because there's not a dude on one. He's the longest tenured pacer, but two, there is not a guy in that room that rides for the city of Indianapolis harder than Miles Turner. Like he, yeah. he is since day one, he has just embraced being in Indianapolis, and since day one, fans have hated that he was the one that they drafted. It's just it it, it doesn't make any sense to me. He runs. Turner's block, basically, which is that is what is evolved from Area 55, which evolved from G2 Zone. So he runs the fan section. He's so involved. It, I don't get it. I, I've never understood it. He's literally got the potential to be exactly what you look for in a big in the modern yeah. NBA. I love Sabonis. Don't get me wrong, but I will always be on the hill of if I had to trade one or the other, I would rather trade Sabonis because we see what happens to shifty bigs that are playmakers. Right but you now. don't have to trade one of the other. You don't. You don't have to. You don't have to. You do not have to. Yeah, I, I, I think would. that I think there might be some Pacers fans out there that need to hear that. Yeah, you don't I have agree. to. I agree. So. But yeah, that's the that was my. Uh, <laughs> just wanted to get my Miles Turner victory lap in. I'm sure. It'll yeah. Be the first of many this season. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows? Of course. But all right, man. Let's get on to shot caller of the week before we get out of here. And uh, Kyle, who do you have as your shot caller of the week? Yeah. Um. Not super, not super easy to talk about, um, and really unfortunate. But I'm, I'm going to give my shot caller of the week to Ernie Johnson and his family. Um, they've had a tough week, probably the worst week of their life, and um, and that's heartbreaking. But Ernie's a big part of my NBA viewing experience, and um, you know he. I know we think of him as a jokester and a mediator between a few huge personalities. Um, but at the end of the day, he's a human. He's a dad. Um, and unfortunately, this week, him and his wife, Cheryl, lost their son, Michael. Um, really, really heartbreaking. Um, yeah, it, <laughs> uh, it, it sucks. So his son, Michael, had uh, muscular dystrophy, was 33 years old, um, really inspirational video going around it's about eight minutes i would encourage anyone to watch it um just from the adoption in romania where they're told not to adopt him because he's quote unquote no good to just kind of the inspiration that michael had on other people and um telling you know telling people love you too even if others didn't say it um saying to find value in everyone 
just really heartbreaking stuff. Heart goes out to Ernie and his family. Um, appreciate all the uh, all the laughs and good times that Ernie always gives us, and um, just as a as a human, as a, a fellow dad, is just everything. It just is heartbreaking. So. I know that's a bummer pick. I, I know that we've talked about it off camera and everything. But I, and, I, I think but. I think the reason I, I would view that as a shot caller is because when you hear the story, as you you did a brief summation, but I, again, I would highly recommend everybody watch the video. Um, when uh, when they talked about it on Tuesday night on the TNT show, um, Charles Barkley talked about how it's like. It, this is just a reminder of what an honor it is for him to work with Ernie Johnson because him and Cheryl gave that gave Michael their son a life that even the orphanage told tried to tell them that he wasn't allowed to have and so um yeah I, I mean even from just a viewer standpoint he's one of the Ernie Johnson is one of those guys that you just hear nothing but constant cosigns on and so it's 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 definitely a, a, a tough situation, but um, one that, it, again, it, I can't emphasize this enough. Watch the video. Um, it, it you, You're going to cry, and it, it, it's a video that really is one of a – it's a gut check, do better man moments. Yeah. It's, it, it's really inspiring and um, well worth the watch, and our hearts definitely go out to the, to the Johnson family. Yeah. 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 Uh... And really no way to transition from that, but just to hard pivot. Um, and so I'm going to ask you, who is your shot caller of the week? Um, so mine has to do with, uh, with Jalen Suggs. Um, and it's hard to follow this up, but uh, to kind of end things on a light note, um, Jalen Suggs played his first NBA game in his home state of Minnesota against the Timberwolves on Monday night. And after the game, he posted on Twitter this picture of him with, like, two sections worth of people that came out to see him play. And um, I thought that it's just awesome, man. Like, he really is representing that entire community. And and I know uh, Chet Holmgren is from that same area. um, So they're about to have two two guys in the league. But it's just a, it was a really good moment. It feels good, man. Moment. Magic got the win against our Wolves, unfortunately. Uh, Sad a uh in the chat. Mm. Um, Wolves watch you. We'll be back though. We'll be back. But uh, for now, Jalen Suggs. Um, Jalen Suggs' homecoming gets my shot caller of the week because that was that was cool to see. And yeah. he's starting to play a little bit better too. So yeah, love Suggs. that for Suggs. Love that for the city of. Yeah. Uh, of Minneapolis, he's, a, he's, he's not from. I, is he from Minneapolis? I thought he was from like a smaller well, town in Minnesota. Yeah, you know him. Yeah, yeah, the state yeah. of Minnesota. Yeah, I feel you. Yeah, feel you. state of Minnesota gets gets basketball in the form of Suggs, and they get our beloved Timberwolves as well. So, um, they're blessed. Good, really good job. Good job, Suggs. We love that. Good job, Minnesota. We good love job, you. Joe. Good job, Joe. Thanks, man. Um, well, real quick before we go, there is one other thing I wanted to hint on. Um. We were told this earlier today before we recorded um, by our own Tim Daniel that our episode today is the 600th episode on the 48 Minutes Network. So um, I know I just jumped in near the end of last season, kind of this summer, 
you had some prior history before we kind of started doing this together. Um, yeah. So really to, to you and to Tim, Sean, Ben, Josh, Taylor, um, Parker, our new intern. Love Shout it. Out Parker. Shout out Parker. To everybody on the network, congratulations. Um, and here is to 600 more episodes of us shooting the shit and hopefully yeah. you guys listening to it. Yeah, it's been awesome. Uh, it'll keep being awesome. A lot of a lot of people that have been guests on this network, anyone from friends to uh, random strangers to people that are overqualified to just chat basketball with us, um, kind of everywhere in between. And it's been fun. I, I've I've made some of my best friends doing this. I met Tim in a. <laughs> I met Tim while he was at work. I won't say where he was working at the time, but I met him while he was at work. And I used to go into his work just about every day and we would talk hoops and just became friends one day. And he uh, told me about his podcast and I started listening to it every week. And um, one day I was like, hey, man, you know, why don't you uh, come hang out? We're going to record a pod. And I did. And it was great. And kind of the rest is history. And and I've been hooked ever since. So, um, I haven't been on since the beginning, but I, I hope to be on till the end. So um, 600 has been awesome, and, and looking forward to the next 600. Yes, sir. And on that note, that is going to do it for this week's Shot Callers. Um, as always, give us a shout-out on Twitter. If you liked anything you heard, let us know what you think. Um, at 48 Minutes Network. Again, 48 Minutes N-T-W-R-K. He's Kyle Brandon, at Good Luck Kyle. I'm Joe Makuchi at Makuchi. Hey, make sure you read the power rankings. They come out every Tuesday. Kyle works hard on them, all right? He works really hard. If you don't read them, I'll come fight you. I won't, actually. I'm a, I'm a wimp, but I'll, I'll send a strongly worded email. <laughs> on that note, make sure you watch the John Morant video. Love you guys. Thanks for listening to Shot Callers. Make sure to subscribe to the 48 Minutes Network wherever you're listening to your podcast and leave us a review if you like what you're hearing. Also, be sure to give us a follow on Twitter over at 48 Minutes Network. I'm going to stop and give you all the love I can.